Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? Or in the case of today, we're interviewing who? I'm your host, Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and I'm so delighted to be joined by two guests today. It's Jorge Gutierrez and Sandra Equeja. They happen to be a married couple and also super talented artists. They work together on the Book of Life, El Tigre, The Adventures of Manny Rivera. They are Emmy and Annie Award winners. They are just also super fun to talk to. So they have a new limited series out on Netflix right now called Maya and the Three, and I did a review of it. It's a super fun adventure. Don't let the fact that it's told in an animation medium dissuade you from watching it, even if you're an adult and you don't have kids and all that stuff. It's just a super adventurous, fun ride. It centers around the story of Princess Maya. It's set in Mesoamerica, and it's clearly got all these influences from Aztec and Maya and Inca mythology. You know, there's a, there's a pinch of modern-day Caribbean culture. It has a who's who of voice cast. It's got Zoe Saldana, Stephanie Beatrice, Diego Luna, and Gael Garcia Bernal, a duo I always love seeing, or technically hearing in this case, together. It's got Alfred Molina and Danny Trejo and Gabriel Iglesias, Rosie Perez, and Queen Latifah. It's, it's again, it's just a super entertaining adventure, and talk Talking to the two of them was an absolute pleasure. They have so much energy, so be sure to check out Maya and the Three on Netflix. And without further ado, here's we're interviewing who? Thank you both so much for doing this. I had such a blast watching this. What a wild ride. I binged it all. I couldn't stop watching. I was like, I have work to do. I'm going to keep watching Maya and the Three. Oh, hey, what, what, what time did you start it? Like I started it, so I started it late Tuesday night and then eventually oh no. had to go to sleep. And so I finished it all Wednesday morning. It was like, if I can watch it, if I watch it now, like I, you know, I don't have to, I can get it done before this meeting. So well, congratulations. Thank so you. much fun. Thank you. Oh, we're honored. So my first question is, what would you want to be the gods of? Dun, dun, dun. Why do you do this to me? All right, I'll, I'll, give, I'll, give, I'll give you time to think. If I could, I would love to be, and I thought about this a lot. If I could be the god of time and Ooh. just slow things down. And, okay. and to enjoy my family and, and our son and the love of my life. Aww. Uh, and then I could, I could, uh, and I could get more time to write because writing is so hard and it takes forever. So yeah, got a time. That damn would be it, my thing. Damn it. Uh, I'd say the God of learning things really fast. <laughs> these are, these are, these feel like kindred answers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Like just really, really fast. Like for example, okay, I gotta learn how to play that piece on the piano. I'm gonna learn it in 10 seconds. Wow. Okay, well, speaking of learning, what do you think one of the major things you learned while making Maya and the Three was? Oh my gosh. I learned myself to not, to broaden my, my, um, my design sense mm -hmm. and to, yeah, to not limit myself to a very simple design, but make it a little more chaotic and more organic. And I have this guy to help me out with that because he's way more organic than I am. And I learned that maybe more is more, but it can also drown you. So uh, <laughs> self-control and because, uh, oh, man, this thing, they really, Netflix really did a thing. Uh, they do a thing where they go, if it's terrible, it's on you, but if it's great, <laughs> It's on you. No pressure. So yeah. it literally, it's on you. Mm. And that, and that, I think they figured out that artists will never be harder um, on themselves. On themselves, like no one can be harder like on artists. Else. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. They, they, it totally worked. So sort of in that vein, what makes you want to do a limited series, right? Because you've done television before, both of you worked on that. You know, you've done feature films. What makes you go? This is the right amount of time in which to tell this story. Well, I mean, originally Maya was conceived as three movies, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm a bearded chubby guy like Peter Jackson. They'll let me do three movies in a row. Pitero, uh, yeah, Jacksono. Uh, yeah, Pedro Jacksono. Pedro Jacksono. Pedro Jackson, yeah, yeah. 
not, not going to happen, right? So they, they didn't let me. And I, I honestly, I mean, you've seen Maya. It doesn't fit in the movie. Mm-mm. And it's not really a TV show. Like, it can't go for seasons and seasons. Mm. It has an ending. So the format basically caught up with us. And I, I'm a huge fan of Scott Frank. He did, a, mm. he did The Queen's Gambit. But before that, he did a thing called Godless on Netflix, which is this sweeping Western. And I remember reading where he said, yeah, some, th- some things are too big for a movie but they're not really TV shows and now streaming can do them. And I said, that's it. That's, that's where we're going to make my. And I'm hoping, you know, like in your experience where you said, I got to keep watching, it felt like you finished a chapter and then you would go back to it. And, and it was like, uh, like cookies, you know, you keep, keep, you're like, Oh, there's more, there's more. Yeah. And then when you're the cook, the cookie jar is empty. It's like, want, want, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, we, you know, we love anime and anime, you know, they'll do 20 episodes and that's it. So yep. we're used to that format mm. as consume, like consuming it mm. as an audience. Well, I think there's also a temptation to be like, oh, this is working. Let's do it forever. Right. But then, then do you get a satisfying conclusion to your story? Not always. No. So. Not always. Not always. And I would say if it's not engineered to go on forever, exactly. it can get really difficult when they try to, when they try to milk it. Plus, you know, you're kind of precious with your work as well. You really, when you have your heart set on finishing something, you see, you have like a, a light that says, this is where I wanted to end. And if, if, if you're made to continue with it, it, it's very hard to keep that essence going, you know? And to, and to Netflix's credit, I pitched the ending, right? When I pitched Maya, I was like, this is just what happens, then this happens, and then, the, you know, for anybody who watches it, this happens at the end. And usually at every studio, that's when they call security and pick me, pick me outside. <laughs> Escort you. <laughs> but Netflix is like, all right, if that's what you want to do. I still can't believe that. Yeah, we can, we'll do that. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. And we're back. What do you think the biggest thing that changed was from the version you pitched them in the beginning to the one that we see on screen? Because obviously it sounds like the ending was there. I mean, it's, I know it's, I'm, I'm tempting fate by even saying this, but it didn't change anything. And I don't think that will ever happen in our career. I think if anything, again. I mean, you changed some things because you needed to reduce it because it was way longer than it actually yeah, was. Yeah, it was a little, it was even bigger. It was even epicer. Yeah. And then the other thing. Epicer. Yeah. <laughs> New word. And then the other big thing was, honestly, it was, I kept waiting for them to tell me no. And I just kept adding stuff and adding stuff and adding stuff. And then reality is who told me and her. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do have a question about, so one of my thoughts during it, I was like, this is so dark and so metal and I love it, but it's relatively family friendly. Was there anything that you had to go like, maybe this is too much for, or, or was it just like, you know what? Kids are going to be able to parse this like they are intelligent creatures. Yeah, I mean, honestly, from the beginning, when you read all the mythology, the, you know, sacrifices are a big part of the culture. Yeah. And I started going, that's what basically scares people when they hear about this stuff. But- what we all sacrifice every day we all make sacrifices little ones and big ones and you know women make sacrifices and men make sacrifices. like our lives everywhere are full of sacrifices so we got really inspired by that idea like what does it really mean to sacrifice and what does it really mean to give yourself up for something bigger than you and that became very universal and that also sort of guided us Mm -hmm. and then you know Obviously, death is a huge part of this culture. Yeah. But also, without death, and we we you know we talk about Chimi being the first goth character uh, historically, as she explains it, without death, 
life has no value. I'd like to add also that, yeah, you're right. I think that we got to give kids the benefit of the doubt. I think they're a lot smarter and a lot more awake than we give them credit for, especially nowadays. And again, I mean, this, this theme is seen, is, seems to pop up everywhere, whether it is on purpose or not. I mean, it's blatantly shown in Bambi, you know, the Lion King. Uh, Characters. Like, yeah. That's a big part Jorge of likes to say that they killed like a thousand babies and saving and, and, finding, and Nemo. finding Nemo. <laughs> And a, and Within the mother. first five minutes of the movie, <laughs> right? It was like a genocide of like little yeah. clownfish, you know? So yeah, I mean, what what better way to introduce them to this if they already don't know about it or like ask questions, you know, than in animation. <laughs> well, and you know, like a character in the Book of Life asks, you know, what's up with Mexicans and death? That's what's up with Mexicans and death. We like that reminder that yeah. you have to live. Yeah, I was going to ask what keeps drawing you back to the topic, but I guess it's just so entrenched in your culture, right? Like, and I, you know, I'm, I'm Chinese, I come from, we've got our own ideas about that stuff, but I'm like, sure, it's just, yeah. yeah, you like, you never, it, it's something that I think it sounds like it will continue to be a part of work because you're, you know, who you are is, influences your work. Yeah, I mean, look at our office. <laughs> I know, it's so dope. It's so, I mind like clean and boring and you're yeah. in the corner, but <laughs> yours has vibrancy and life to it. <laughs> So this is a broader question, but I'm really curious, how do you define personal success now? And how has that changed from earlier in your lives or careers? And, wow, you have some really good questions. <laughs> uh, you know, for me early on, I can honestly say that I, I found artists were running to success, right? That if I do this, I'll get money. And if I do this, I'll get, you know, the golden carrot. For us, motivation was backwards. Motivation was, we're going to get deported. We're going to be- like yeah, we're going to be homeless. I, I mean, that's, that, that's yeah. pretty big motivation, but <laughs> the green card, yeah. lack of a green card, you know? Like that was, so we scary. had, we're immigrants. So we had very, very different motivation. I mean, we recently got, um, we just became U.S. citizens. We just okay, like yeah. about a year ago. So it took a while. It took a long time. So for us, it, it was when you make something and it's really good, but you can also pay the rent and you don't let down your family, you don't let down your country and you don't let down everybody who believed in you like, you like know, no stress we, yeah no pressure that's not it <laughs> we thrive on guilt yeah <laughs> i also think that you know like we have it in our mindset of of seeing work like a ladder like okay we did that next step next step what's next keep going oh we did that let's let's add a little more to it you know it's not about like so much success. It's about, let's see where our abilities can take us. Let's see what else we can do. Let's see what else we can contribute. <laughs> but I don't think, honestly, I don't that's think, how I see it. I don't think it's a ladder. I think it's a bridge because it's been like, it's been like this. In that case, it's not a bridge, dude. That's a mountain. It's a, it's a roller coaster. That's it. There yeah. you go. I thought this, this looks like like an Indiana Jones bridge that's yeah. like at any point gonna, you know, careen into the cliff. But bald, I'm like, what's at the top of the ladder? Yeah. It's yeah. a never ending. Yeah. Death. Death. <laughs> it comes full circle to your work. Yeah. Okay, this is a very specific filmmaking question, but something I noticed was um, obviously it's the use of like the cheating letterbox perspective stuff. Yeah. How do you decide when to employ that and when not to? Because it is this like, oh, moment, but it's, you know, it builds more intensely, but I, I, I get the sense it's like very tempting to use. It, it was too tempting in the beginning. And as you can imagine, it's expensive to do that stuff. Yeah. So they said, you know, take a chill pill, Jorge. You can't do it all the <laughs> time. Down, so then it became, all right, we will use it for big emotional reveals. We'll use it for characters being powerful. They literally break the frame. And then we'll use it for action. So it became, you know, just like music and sound and color, 
it became another tool in storytelling. Like a cue. Yeah, like to, to basically like accentuate yeah. like, the drama. Yeah, I was I was like, oh, if I had to set my discretion, I'd be like using it all the time, which oh, yeah. you know, might not be the best thing for the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Growing up, who were your favorite fictional characters? God, man, why do you always point to me? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> my brain works a lot slower than Jorge's. That Jorge is a mile a minute. I'm like, in my day, like really slow. <laughs> I assume that makes you good collaborators, right? It's the yeah, I guess so. Of, yeah. yeah. All right, so I was a huge Bruce Lee fan as a kid because I, I he loved Brown, so I thought he, he was not fictional, kid. you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have fun news for you. He's so, <laughs> No, he's not fictional. I know he's not fictional. See, now you put what you're All saying. right. I don't know his name in Enter the Dragon. I don't, I, I'm sure he has like a, a white name in it. But basically, Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon, I love that movie. And then I was a huge, huge fan of The Good and Bad and the Ugly. And I love, Cowboys. yeah, I love Eli Wallach, the, the bad, who, not Mexican, but played a Mexican. And then I, you know, the other big one for me was uh, Toshiro Mifune in uh, Seven Samurai. I, as you can imagine, Seven Samurai. Big inspiration in my end of three. Four of the seven don't make it, but they still win. So yeah. this was this was a big inspiration for that. I just remembered who. Okay, but this is like totally silly and and oh my God. So, and it's a little sad because you know, when you're young and you're little and there's not a lot of animation, I'm 45. So back then animation was really limited to my people. Like there were hardly no people that looked like me. But there were people that did things I liked, and her name was Chitara, and she was in. in oh, in, exactly, in Chitara is. I mean, come she on. Badass. And the reason I liked her was because when I was little, I loved to run. I loved to run so fast, and there was PE, and I remember they would go, "Okay, everybody, run around the." And this was like a football field. Run around the football field to warm up and come back, and I would always beat the like everyone, even the boys, except for one guy, and his name was Frank Ritz. Cause he was like a like the little you, Frank. Screw you, Frank Chris. Yeah, <laughs> he's a really nice yeah. guy. How your character designs now, never, Frank? <laughs> I could never beat him, and I was just like, damn it! By the power of Chitar, you know, she, she, I would like, like just drink her essence in because she was my girl, you know. And I was like, wow, I, I would this. channel her, yeah. And she was my girl. Didn't matter if she didn't, she didn't look like a Mexican, but she had like something that interested me, and I kind of bonded with that idea. Did yeah. you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? Mexicans do love cheetah prints. <laughs> what the heck? Culture. Culture. Yeah. That's actually a really great segue into my question of, and the answer might be never, but when was the first time you ever felt represented on screen and not in your own work, obviously? Oh, like, 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 oh, there's a Mexican character? It doesn't even have to be a Mexican character, but it's just oh, like, like represented. Yeah, like you as you felt represented, and it's however you however you interpret represented. I mean, it, it, we, it took a while. It took a while, especially with fantasy and genre. You know, there there were no Hispanic characters. No, do you mean nowadays? Now, now no, that we're older, probably. or as no, kids. just just when was the first time? From just for me, I didn't really feel represented in live action until like Crazy Rich Asians, right? And that's yeah, however sure. long. And so Isn't I'm sure you know, it took that long. Yes, I mean, I, I can tell you, I got really excited that uh, I saw Cowboy Bebop uh, when it first came out here in the U.S. And the first episode is in Tijuana, which is where we grew up. And I, I was so happy because I said, we made it. Mexicans made it to the future. And we made <laughs> it to anime. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that is, okay, for me, it was a representation. But at the same time, later on, I found out that she wasn't Mexican. And it was an aliens. Oh, Ooh. Vasquez. Vasquez. And I was like... What? <laughs> I 
I even dressed. And you know what I found out she wasn't Mexican? This was recent. We went to a friend's party. I don't know if you know Titmouse. Yeah. But uh, Chris Pornowski's wife yeah. had an 80s party, right? And a I chose 80s sci-fi, sci-fi party. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to dress up as Vasquez. And I went. And then Jorge was like, hey, you know that she's not Mexican, right? And I was like, what? Her name's Vasquez. And we look online and she's like, I think a- like a- 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 Jewish, <laughs> Jewish American actress or something. And I was like, ah. She's, in the movie, she's Vasquez. Yes, in a, in yeah, the yeah. It's a, the character is, but yeah, I, I just love the idea that like Maya the three is going to give you know a whole. We won't have to wait for our like very late in life revelations, right? Like a bunch of kids are actually going to be like hmm, me, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, and I talk about this all the time. Like I saw, you know, I saw Seven Samurai when I was nine, and I my dad put it on for me. I walked out of, of the living room and I told them, Dad, when I grow up, I want to be a samurai. And so my dream is a kid in Japan will watch Maya and the Three and walk out of the room and tell their parents, when I grow up, I want to be an eagle warrior. Oh. And that will, that will, you know. Or somebody in the other in the yeah. other part of the world dressing up cosplay as oh. well. Can you imagine? Yeah. Like yeah. some little kid in Japan. Yeah, we just saw on Instagram, like a girl teaching, teaching how to do the makeup. And we're like, it's happening. It's I mean, happening. You have to, you have to chalk that like that has to add a little bit into your definition of success right like getting to see the impact yeah. of yeah i have to yeah i don't want to say it but yeah it does feel really nice when they cosplay your characters <laughs> yeah who is, so who is the who is the one that you hope the most to see as a cosplay like it might be the most challenging but like i think chimi i i'm, I'm excited to see oh there are going chimi to be Archer. so many chimis at the next live comic-con chimi, is gonna be the toughest no no the, the well i think lady meek that will be the toughest the tough, like yeah, the the balancing yeah yeah i think it's gonna be um the and widow Maya. the widow queen that headdress is pretty crazy too i mean we're nine days away from halloween and i told sandra like have nine on one on the line because if <laughs> We open the door and a little girl dressed up as Maya trick or treats. Oh. I'm gonna have a heart attack instantly. <laughs> I have to figure out what to do in that circumstance. Just get a defibrillator ready, you know. Just right. be prepared. Just be prepared. I personally think the alligator god with like the alligator hands, uh, that, that would be my Lord Meek Lord is too hard. It's too hard. Okay, if anybody does that, Lord Meekland, dude, they're getting something from us. And then they're where are they gonna get the blood of fallen warriors? Exactly. Like, well, obviously they're gonna make a lot of sacrifices. Like, yeah, well, you, know, you gotta be authentic in these cosplay. It's a long-term commitment. <laughs> yes, love. <laughs> Okay, so this is shifting gears a little bit, but you both seem well-versed in film, and so I always love asking this question. What is the first film you remember seeing in theaters that you were the reason for going to, right? You weren't like, hey, dragged along. I got taken in Mexico City to see... (laughs) She's going to have something crazy. Uh, I got taken to see Pinocchio, and, you know, Pinocchio's a dark movie. Like, anybody who who rewatches it recently... You know, there's Pinocchio drowning. Why do you have to go like, with the classics, dude? Mine is, really, mine is really lame. <laughs> I got taken to that and I became obsessed with it and I would quote it to my parents and I would dress up like Pinocchio. <laughs> What's your film, Sandra? <laughs> I don't want to say. I'm embarrassed. Okay, so when we were little, my dad, I, I he wasn't really like, a movie guy like he wouldn't really take us to the movies and there were four girls right so we were always like oh you know we heard about this or we wouldn't because since you're not your parents aren't introducing this to you 
you're not aware of what's going on. But we knew that there was a movie called Baby. And it the, with the dinosaur? The dinosaur. The animatronic. The animatronic. And the body wouldn't move, but the head wouldn't move. And we wanted to go see it. We're like, Dad, please, please, we have to go see Baby. So it was like the head, and people were like, oh, baby, oh, baby. <laughs> in a tiny tiny little room it was magic just you know seeing oh my god it's it's like a not only is it a dinosaur it's a baby dinosaur (laughs) and we loved it so much and now like i i'm not even sure if you look on youtube if you can see find a short leave the memory in your heart i think i will leave yeah don't do not rewatch do not try and seek that out that is best that is best left in this cinema (laughs) yeah 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 yes exactly (laughs) Wow, that is, I was not expecting that answer. Yeah, well, but that you is go. Stick with me. <laughs> <laughs> that has made my day. Well, we are at time. Thank you both so much. This has been such a delight. And congrats on my end. Th- seriously, I had so much fun watching it. Oh, thank, thank, you, thank, you, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, I hope, I hope you have a great Halloween that you don't die on, but like maybe a I mini, but I'll like a to... mini heart attack scare. Yeah, of like I, 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 I die, die, huge smile, huge smile. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much to Jorge and Sandra for joining. Maya and the Three is out streaming now on Netflix. And if you liked this episode, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or review or even consider subscribing.